get into some, uh, some word today. Y'all ready for this? Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive, and it is life-changing. It is transformative. So, Lord, I pray that let every ear hear what the Spirit has to say today. Not so much my words, but your words that are trying to come out through whatever way I can articulate, Lord. But prepare our hearts. Give revelation where needed. Shine a light where needed. And give us a greater understanding. Let us continue in your words to be your disciples and to know truth and to be set free by that truth. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Uh, Today I want to talk to us uh, on the subject of least likely. Least likely. Now the the picture I've got a rendering of Maybe, maybe those of you who are fans of the series of books may recognize this. This is Reepicheep. Anyone heard of Reepicheep? From uh, the Narnia Chronicles. Reepicheep, I think, embodies the, the most least likely. He was a mouse. He was a little mouse. And yet, Oslin said he's one of the most bravest knights he had ever encountered. And, and uh, you didn't want to run into Reepicheep. Man, Reepicheep would, he'd, he'd cut you up if need be. Uh, he was, he was. Everyone, uh, he'd, he'd encounter a new person, and uh, that, that, a lot of times that person would think, oh, man, get this mouse out of my way. And uh, Reepicheep was extremely noble and was a skilled fighter, but yet he was least likely. He was a mouse, of all things. Uh, matter of fact, he lost his tail in battle, and Oslin healed him. He, he, grew, he grew a new tail. And, and uh, so, so that's what I want to talk to you about <clears throat> today is how... God tends to show up in some of the least likely areas. Last week, we talked about Judah. Those of you who were here last week, we talked about Judah and his role in the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph in the coat of many colors and Joseph, the second in command over all Egypt. And how we showed that really the, the purpose that God used Joseph for was, was really to protect his promise, the promise of God. And the promise of God actually was coming through Judah. And, and if you remember from last week, I talked about Judah was basically the start of the tribe of Judah, which is the tribe and the family heritage that eventually the Messiah, Christ Jesus, would come through. He would come through the tribe of Judah. And even Judah was least likely for that to take place. We, we talked about some of Judah's, you know, Genesis chapter 38 Judah made all kind of crazy mistakes, messed up his whole family. Yet at the end of the story of Joseph, we see Jacob blessing Judah and pro- making, actually, actually uh, in the blessing, he prophesied about Christ, the eternal king, who would reign from Judah's bloodline. Now, this promise actually dates far, far back. It goes all the way back to Genesis. Some of you may remember a few months ago, I talked about Adam and Eve. You remember uh, at the time of of the fall of Adam and Eve, when God was issuing a punishment to the serpent. We all know the story of Adam and Eve, so we we won't revisit it in detail. But God said to the serpent, he said that that you, you will bruise the heel of the seed or the promise of, of the woman, the seed of the woman, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. It's, it's, it's the earliest messianic prophecy given in the word of God. 
And so Eve, if you, if you remember uh, from a few months ago, I talked about how Eve had this, this promise given to her because of her decision, she, she was part of the fall of man. It wasn't just solely her, her fault. Adam, Adam had his fingerprints all over that train wreck, but, but she played a part in it. And, and if you can imagine her personally hearing God issue a promise that her seed would crush the head of the serpent. So if I can bear, if I can bear a seed, if I can bear a son, then he can fulfill this promise. He can fix me. He can put everything back in its place. Now, it would have made sense for that seed. Now, we understand now that that seed that God was talking about traveled all the way through the generations to Christ being born, where through Christ's crucifixion, his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection, he did. He fixed the sin problem, correct, in our life. But, but that she didn't realize that. So it would have made sense for that seed to travel. And really, when you read the Bible, you see that seed, that promise, traveling. Even when men messed up, that seed would reroute and find a new way because if God promises something, it is going to come to pass. You can take it to the bank. That's why we can rejoice. The word of God is full of seven, over 7,000 promises God has for us in the word of God. And if he promised it, you can depend on it. It is more sure than anything you see on TV. It is more sure than anything you can see physically, hear physically. If he has promised something to you, it is more real than anything else that you can encounter. Amen. And so he promised that there would be a seed that would defeat the serpent, defeat the enemy, defeat Satan, which came to pass through Christ. And there are promises that he has given to many of you. There are, there are things that you have been believing for in your life, and maybe you think that you've messed up too much. Maybe you think that you made that door shut. It's not going to come to pass. Can I tell you that his promise is going to come to pass no matter what? It will reroute in your life. It will take a different route. Matter of fact, sometimes you think your life has taken the wrong turn, and, and really it hasn't. It's just a reroute. It would have made sense for that seed to go through Cain or Abel. They blew that. You know the story? And so it went through Seth, the thirdborn of Adam and Eve. And then from Seth, it travels all the way to Noah. And then from one of Noah's seeds, it travels all the way to Abraham. Abraham, of all the... Abraham started out as a pagan in the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. And yet God called him, of all people, God called him. A man who was married to a woman that couldn't even reproduce. And of all things, God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Not just one nation, but you're going to be the father of many nations. And your descendants are going to be like the stars of the skies, the sands of the seas. And he tells Sarah, his wife, about it. We all remember the story, right? The least likeliest person. She's hitting 90 years old. Never had a child in her life. And so she says, what makes sense? She says, hey, look, 
I have this servant, Hagar, this young Egyptian girl. Have a son through her, and then we'll raise it. This is all, now I know it doesn't make sense for our society these days, but this was all part of the culture back in the day. And so they do that. But God said, that's not what I said. The promise is going to come through Sarah, the most least likely person for that promise to take place. So Sarah has Isaac. Isaac has Esau and Jacob. Esau, the first point, he, the, the, the promise, the seed should travel through him. We all remember the story. He winds up selling his birthright for a bowl of beans. And then Jacob tricks his father, Isaac, who's old. He's in the process. He's close to death. He's got, he can't see. He's got cataracts. He tricks him into thinking he's Esau. So he blesses him with the birthright. Now Jacob is on the run. And this is where we're going to come in with our scriptures. Jacob's on the run. And he goes down to Laban's house, which is his uncle, where his mom came from. And, and he's hiding from Esau. Because Esau's like, man, I'm going to kill him. He stole my birthright. And yet the promise was supposed to go through Jacob all along. And then we, we know the story of, and you've heard me talk about it before, Rachel and Leah, and, and, and we've kind of had fun with it. But, but I, I, I want you to notice, I want you to think about Leah today. He, Jacob goes down, he works for Laban. Laban's got two daughters, Leah and Rachel. He, like Rachel catches his eye. He is smitten with her, the younger of the two daughters. He says, Laban, I want your daughter's hand in marriage. He said, okay, work, work for me for seven years. And so they, they, seven years passed. The Bible said it seemed like just a few days to him. He was so in love with Rachel. Uh, the, the name Rachel means lamb. And it, 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 it means, so she was very sweet and gentle. Uh, Leah, the name in the Old Testament, actually means weary, tired. The Bible says she, she was tender-eyed. So, so you have a beautiful sister and one that was not attractive to, to Jacob, did not appeal to him. He worked seven years, and Laban winds up tricking him. He'd say, well, man, Laban was a scoundrel. I want to say that God kind of caused this because he already had a plan. And so he tricks him. He winds up marrying Leah instead. The next morning he gets up, he says, what in the world? You've tricked me. He says, okay, 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 tell you what, you can still have Rachel, but you're going to have to work seven, seven more years for me. And he gives, her, gives him Rachel, but he's, he's uh, indentured for another seven years. So for 14 years he worked really to pay off Rachel, per se. And he, he has Leah. He was okay with it, possibly wasn't thrilled with it. But we see, we see the plight of both of these ladies real quick. Genesis chapter 29, verse 30. Now remember, we're talking about God's seed that he mentioned in Genesis when he was punishing the serpent. You remember? He said, the seed of the woman will bruise your head. That seed travels all throughout the word of God. It would have made sense for it to travel through Rachel. That's who caught Jacob's eye. Man, Rachel, she's everything to me. What about your wife, Leah? Uh, you know, I got tricked. 
you know, it, it brings me more wealth, right? I can have more kids, more wives, makes me wealthier. Great. But Rachel, Rachel, matter of fact, Rachel, you remember she had Joseph, which was his favorite, his favorite son. He doted on that boy. And then she dies having Benjamin. Uh, but let's backtrack. Genesis chapter 29, starting with verse 30. Everyone still with me? All right, hang with me here. And Jacob lived with Rachel also as his wife, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. Isn't that kind of sad, though? That's what's recorded in the history part of the Bible. You know, the fact that, oh, Jacob, he loved her more than he loved her. Man, Kind of brutal. And he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban another seven years for. Verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was despised, he made her able to bear children. But Rachel was barren. So Leah becomes very fertile. Rachel does not at this point. Verse 32, and Leah became pregnant and bore a son and named him Reuben, which basically means see a son. For she said, because the Lord has seen my humiliation and affliction, now my husband will love me. Leah became pregnant again and bore a son and said, because the Lord heard that I am despised, he has given me this son also. And she named him Simeon, which means God hears. Verse 34, and she became pregnant again and bore a son and said, now this time will my husband be a companion. Maybe this time. <laughs> Third time's a charm, right? He loves Rachel, but surely he's got to love me. Because, man, I've already given him two sons. Now I'm giving him three sons. For I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi, which means companion. She was so lonely. Could you imagine how used Leah felt? Leah's producing children for him. That's all I'm good for is giving you kids. But you're still living with Rachel. She hadn't done anything for you. You're still living with her. I'm the one who's providing nothing. And again, she conceived and bore a son, and she said, Now I will praise the Lord. So she called his name Judah. That's what we talked about last week, which means praise. It's, it's very similar in the Hebrew as to uh, yada, which means to praise him with uplifted hands. Then for a time, she ceased bearing. So I, again, I want to talk to us about least likely, least likely. Uh, it would have made more sense for God to have used Rachel because that's who caught Jacob's eye, right? She was the beautiful one. She was the popular one. Matter of fact, in order to get Leah married off, her dad had to trick somebody, trick Jacob, just to get her married off. And he said, look, it's not customary for us to marry the second daughter before the first daughter. You know, we, I, I got to get her married off. So he, just to get her married off, he had to trick, trick Jacob. You know? If, sure, why would God use her? God, she was, she was the one that wasn't wanted. She was the one that nobody was interested in. Rachel, she was the one that Jacob felt was worth. Have you ever noticed in your life, in the patterns of your life, 
that God doesn't use the shiny, glowy coin that you're so attracted to? How many times have we seen an opportunity show up and think, oh, well, that's got to be God. That's perfect. I mean, this is going to be the perfect house. This is going to be the perfect situation. That's going to be the perfect job. Oh, this has got to be a perfect relationship. This has got to be the perfect. This is the perfect situation. Surely this is God doing his thing. I'm going to go that way. And then it all falls apart on us. It's kind of what happened with Rachel. Nothing wrong with Rachel. Rachel was, Rachel loved Jacob. Matter of fact, Rachel eventually cried out because she couldn't have kids. And God gave her Joseph. Oh, Jacob found so much joy in Joseph. That was his boy. Now, these other four boys, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, you know, they were kind of getting a little irritated because it's like, what, why don't we chop liver over here? You know, we're your sons too. But no, Rachel gave him a son. But Rachel also prematurely died, giving birth to Benjamin. And that's why sometimes things that seem so perfect in our life that we think, this has got to be God. I mean, look, this is perfect. Oh, I love this. This is wonderful. And then all of a sudden, it turns out to be very temporary in our life, or it blows up. Why? Because God, isn't, God really doesn't care about shiny, impressive things. Sometimes God will use the least likeliest thing. See, the seed was never, the, the promised seed was never meant to pass through Rachel, it didn't go to Joseph. Joseph didn't even have a tribe named after him. They named, they split tribes up according to his two sons. It didn't go to Benjamin. It went to the middle kid. Now, Leah is credited with a few more sons, but they came through one of her servants because she wasn't having kids anymore. So she said, hey, take my servant, have some more kids. They credit it basically to her in the lineage, but Judah, he was the middle kid. Anyone here, the middle, middle child in your family? You know, I remember my brother used to always fuss about, yeah, I'm the middle kid. Nobody loves me. You know, whatever. He didn't realize he was the Joseph of our family, man. My parents, like, he walked on water, you know. They didn't like Dave to even get wet because Dave made a mess, so... So of all things, it was the middle kid, right? The middle kid that gets looked over all the time. Judah. It would have made more sense, the more likelier one would have been Reuben, the firstborn. Because the firstborn gets all the birthright and the heritage, all that. So God used the least likeliest wife and the least likeliest son to pass on the promise seed. Christ didn't come from the tribe of Benjamin. He didn't come from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, which were Joseph's two boys, or Simeon or Reuben or Levi. Levi, that would have made sense. All the priests came from the tribe of Levi. Moses was from the tribe of Jesus. One of the greatest leaders in Israeli history, Moses, came from the Levitical tribe. No, the tribe of Judah the least likeliest of the least likeliest. Just because something isn't working out in your life because it was so shiny, it made the most sense, it seemed like the, it seemed like the, the home run, the shoe in. Don't be discouraged. Take a step back and understand God is still working in your life. His promise is still going to come to pass. 
it may just be in the least like, you, you know, the part of your life that you think, oh, yeah, whatever, I'll get to that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know about that job. Uh, you know, maybe that person's got something that I can glean from, but overall they're kind of weird. <laughs> you know, those type of situations may be the very place that God is working his promise. Anyone ever encountered that? Because we do have a crazy God. He calls the, the Bible says he calls the things that aren't as though they were. You know? Hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press. Hiding from the enemy. And the angel shows up with a message from God, calls him a mighty man of valor. In the middle of him cowarding. You know? Mary, hail, you high, blessed and highly favored woman. You're going to bear a son. She was a teenager, never even been with a man. Yet she wound up having the Messiah when the Holy Spirit came upon her. But I, I've never even been with a man. What do you mean? Because God calls the things that aren't as though they were. Say, so, ah. Uh, that little area of my life, there's no way that God's going to do anything with that. This makes more sense. It's more shiny. It's more pretty. It's, it's more attractive to me. It, it just it makes more sense. But God calls the things that aren't as though they were. It's all, he's always contradicting things, right? If you want to have life, you got to lose your life. If you want to live, you got to die. That's his whole concept, you know? To have a priceless pearl, you got to sell everything <laughs> to have a pearl. So if you want to have wealth in the kingdom, you give it all away. That's the kind of God we serve. He takes the least likeliest route. It would have been a lot easier for him to lead the children out of Egypt, you know, for him to smite Pharaoh and just let them do a straight beeline, it would have taken them about two weeks to get to the promised land, literally. If you look at it geographically. Instead, he lets them go on this 40-year trek, and he plays games with Pharaoh, you know? The least likeliest route, the least likeliest plan, yet God used it. I see it over and over and over. If you are believing for God to move in your life in a particular way, and you want to throw in the towel because everything that you think, oh, well, this is it. Oh, this has got to be it. Oh, that's got to be God. And it just keeps blowing up in your face. Don't get upset about Rachel. Understand that maybe God is using the Leahs of your life. The least likeliest corners. The least likeliest efforts. And I, I want to point something out, and I'm wrapping up here. I had never seen this until Friday. I was going back over my notes and rereading this story in Genesis. Leah starts having, God blesses her. It says that God sees that she's rejected. She starts having kids. Now, I, 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 want, I want you to understand what I believe is a doorway to your promise. 
and a doorway to your purpose and a doorway to the seed that God has planted in your life to come to fruition. Whatever your purpose, your destiny, your call is in his kingdom. This is one of the doorways. She has Reuben and her response is this. God has seen that I'm unloved. and He's given me a son. Maybe now my husband will love me. And then he gives her Simeon. God has heard how rejected I am. Maybe now my husband will pay attention to me. Gives her Levi. Oh, God has seen how lonely I am. Now my husband will want to be my companion. The seed didn't travel through any of those guys. But the seed came through Judah. I want you to notice her response. Up until now, every time God blessed her, she talked about her circumstances and her situations and where she was in life and what she felt she was labeled. I am rejected and God has blessed me. Maybe now this will fix me. But with Judah, it says again, she conceived and bore a son and she said, she didn't talk about her circumstances. She didn't talk about her situation. She didn't talk about the labels people had all of her life. It's, oh, Leah, she's the, you know, she's the sister that kind of got the weird look. You know, I don't know if we'll ever marry her off. Poor Leah. She didn't talk about that. All she simply said in the midst of her circumstance, in the midst of her rejection, in the midst of, of everything not going her way, all she said was, now I will praise the Lord. So she called his name Judah. In the midst of where she was, I'm sure she still wasn't happy about being rejected. She wasn't happy about playing second fiddle to her younger sister. She wasn't happy at the fact that Jacob, you know, even wasn't paying attention to her. But regardless of all that, when God moved in her life, all she said was, you know what? I'm going to praise you. I'm just going to worship you. Sometimes we need to forget about our circumstances. We need to get our eyes off of our disappointments and our heartache get our eyes off of what we think people have labeled us, what society has called you, what your family's called you, you know, all those failures you think you've had in your life. Sometimes you just got to set it all aside and begin to praise him and lift him up. That's the path that the seed took. Perhaps, I'm just going to suggest it. Perhaps God was just waiting on her to give him some glory. And he said, now you've opened the door that my seed can continue to travel. Because all of a sudden with that son, it wasn't about what the blessing could do for her, but it was all about the one who blessed her. And when we get to that point in our life, that whether we go through a season of blessing or a season of trial, he's still worthy to be praised. The old song that they used to sing when I was growing up was, the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. He's just as worthy of praise on your good days as he is on your bad days. Regardless, he never changes. And if we can learn to just 
let the cares of this life hold them like this. I'm not saying they, I'm not saying they're going to be fun. I'm not saying they're going to be they're not going to be challenging. I'm not saying that you're not going to experience some heartache. But when you can learn to say, you know what, I'm going to praise you regardless, God. Let that be the first thing out of your mouth. I don't know what today holds, but I'm praising you all day long. Finally, she forgot about her circumstances, and she just focused on the one who was providing for her. And the promise came through that child, Judah, the least likeliest God used. Amen. Let's all stand as the musicians come. Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you and we praise you. I don't know what everyone's going through today. Some folks may be in the midst of a celebration in their life. Others may be going through one of the greatest trials they've ever faced. Regardless, you are still God and you are magnificent and you are glorious and you are so full of love, light, grace, mercy, redemption. Lord, I know not everything will make sense in our life. You don't resolve everything, but you do redeem everything. So we trust you, Lord. I trust you and your promises above everything else I face. I trust you and your promises above every challenge even this church may face. I trust you and your word more than what I hear on TV, more than what I see on the internet, more than what I hear from neighbors or I see with my own eyes. I believe you, period. I thank you, Lord. Reveal your ways in the least likeliest areas of our life. And we praise you today in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.